Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Someone's saying there wasn't anywhere to run. Serial killer pops in my head. I said, if you're here, open this door now. I don't like it. I just want to be out of here. He wound up murdering his own mother. And how do you do that? With an axe. <sighs> it's time for me to live here with my family. This guy is saying, make sure they're dead. Make sure. Make sure. It's really bad in here. My name is Amy Allen. Something is not right. I see dead people. This person might have been a serial killer. I speak to dead people. You get those chills. And they speak to me. He is darkness. He is evil. But there's only one way to know if my findings are real. I think she broke her neck. I rely on my partner. I'm Steve DeShave. I'm a retired New York City homicide detective. Tell me the truth. I know every person, every house has secrets. I think the devil is down here. It's my job to reveal him. Who the hell would do this? But Steve and I never speak. We never communicate during an investigation. Until the very end. Who's he looking to kill? We uncover if it's safe for you to stay. You need to get out of here right now. Or time to get out. It was like endless darkness. Amy and I worked the same case, but from two different angles. I interview living witnesses and uncover buried secrets from the property's past while Amy communicates with the dead. Every once in a while, Amy and I get called in to investigate a well-known location. This is one of those times. I'm in rural Iowa, heading over to the infamous Velisca Axe Murder House. Now, here's what Amy and I both know going into this case. June 9th, 1912, six members of the Moore family 
and two young girls who will be spending the night with them as house guests walk back from the church along a country road. Around 9.30 p.m., they arrive home. The following morning, they will all be found dead. All murdered by a swing of an axe to the head. Despite countless theories and two sensational trials, no one has ever been brought to justice. And the Valeska axe murders remain one of the world's most horrific unsolved crimes. But here's what Amy doesn't know. We've actually been called in by a guy that leads tours in the Axe Murder House. He thinks something has followed him home and is terrorizing his family. He sounds pretty concerned, and I'm hoping Amy and I can help him out. Even though Amy knows where she's going, I still have to cover anything that may influence her findings. But what she doesn't know is that she'll also be walking the client's home next door. So it's important I take my time there to remove any leading information. In my opening, I met this woman who's here with me. Okay. She's all disfigured, and she was very angry um, about everything. She feels responsible um, because she either let someone in or let them stay. But I hear from someone else that it's actually her husband's fault. This doesn't feel right. John, so this is the actual house where the murders took place? Exactly. Okay. You don't live here, though? No. I, I live right next door where the neighbor that found the bodies used to live. Okay. Now, what do you do? I do the history tours. We'll tell people about what happened going into the trials afterwards. Okay. But pretty soon as I started spending a lot of time here, I thought in my head, I'm going to solve this case. And, you know, once I really start delving into it, I become obsessed with it. John, let me ask you, why'd you call us in then? I'm concerned that something over here followed me next door. I have a wife, 13-year-old, a 4-year-old, and they're getting scared at some of the things that's happening. So what kind of things are you experiencing at your house? There's a lot of doors opening and closing, uh, the back aches, the neck aches, and I would hear growling noises, scratching noises, things like that. So were you experiencing stuff here first and then it started happening at your house? Yeah, I started experiencing things here first and that's what really drew me into it. I thought, wow, is this stuff really happening? Okay, what are you hoping we can do for you? If something's following me home from work at my house, I don't want that there. I want a safe, happy home and to really just get on with the rest of my life. So why don't you show me what's happening here before we go over to your house? Follow me. Mm. What's wrong? I'm just hearing someone saying there wasn't anywhere to run. What's going on? Uh, I just feel a lot pain right here. I can't breathe. So this is where Ina and Lena Stillinger were found, the two overnight guests. Wow. Okay. So what's going on in here? A lot of nausea, feeling sick, neck hurting, back hurting. Do you feel this when you're away from the house? No. Walk outside, gone instantly. Wow. In this room, I've heard a lot of loud growling and not animal growls. This was kind of a growl, gasp, moan combined, if that makes any sense. From a human? 
Uh, the growl did not sound human. The gasp and moan afterwards sounded very feminine. And you don't think that has something to do with the fact that you know two little girls were murdered in here? Like maybe it's something you might have imagined? No, it was definitely loud and real. Okay. There's um, two females, maybe eight or nine. One of them likes to scare people. She growls. She's like, sometimes I like to go, like that, she says. And I think they would hear her and feel her before they saw her. Okay. And with them, I'm getting pain here. Oh, a lot of pain here. Oh. This was the home of Mary Peckham, the lady that found the bodies that morning. Okay. What are you experiencing in this house? My wife just went to work. Uh, my daughter is at preschool. And I hear, John. And it startled me. I jumped and I looked around, nobody. I looked out the window and you could see her car going up the street. There was nobody here. Okay, wasn't anybody outside trying to get your attention? No, I looked all around the house. Okay. And there was one time I took the door and I latched it shut. And just on a whim, I said, Mary Peckham, or anything to do with the axe murder house, if you're here, open this door now. And then it slammed open. Really? Was anybody home? No, I was alone. John's story sounded a little too convenient. So I started looking for any signs that he might be stretching the truth. But as far as I could tell, he wasn't lying. I mean, it's got to be pretty tough on the whole family, right? Yeah, I don't want anybody in this house scared of anything. And at one time, I actually just padlocked the door shut coming up here. Because it all centers around up here, it seems like. Okay. A lot of the dead people from next door come here, live here. Any idea why? They feel happy. They're able to be together. The older woman from outside, she's trying to talk to a person here. Okay. But she's throwing a fit. Like, she is going crazy. The second this woman steps into this room, she becomes filled with rage. She's had it with the living, and all of her anger is directed at one man. She's saying, you're guilty, mother and you know it. I had a couple friends stay the night. They all slept in here, and the next morning, one said that he woke up to a, an old woman's distorted face just right above his. He was pretty terrified, and he said he'd never sleep up here again. Has anybody else in the house seen this woman? Uh, my daughter has talked about a woman she's seen. Okay, and what did she describe? Right when we moved in, she started talking about Hattie. I said, who is Hattie? She goes, that's the woman upstairs. How do you talk about ghosts to a four-year-old? Right. I'm going to hit you with a question you may not like. Now, what if Amy comes in and she says, listen to me, you need to move? It's just not that easy. We can't just pick up and move. And kind of the way I see it, I often wonder, is it fate that I'm supposed to be here? Could be that it's time for me to live here with my family. Okay. The woman 
She's definitely doing some creepy shit around here. Like what? You know, somebody's seen an apparition of her many times, but it's not normal. She doesn't look normal. What does it look like? She's messed up. Like, like all weird. I'm pretty sure she's haunting these people. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, Martha, I was talking to John, and he said that you own this place. Yes, I do. My husband and I, uh, Darwin, purchased the house in 1994. Now, let me ask a question. Did you guys know that this place might have had some paranormal stuff going on? No. When we purchased it, we purchased it simply because of the historical value that it had. Do you think maybe all these paranormal groups coming through may be stirring some stuff up in the house? The paranormal groups like to tell you that perhaps the paranormal activity started when we stored it back to what it looked like in 1912. Because a lot of the people that had lived here in the modern world didn't seem to experience anything. Are you worried about the, the guests that come through here or the people that work for you? No. No? You, no. You're not I'm worried not. about what's going on here? No. This is a little bit of a different situation here. We usually go to people's homes where they live. My partner gives them advice. What if she suggested that you stop doing the tours here? I would listen to what you had to say. I'll take it to heart, but I probably will not discontinue what I'm doing. She says, like, they deserve it. They deserve to suffer. They deserve to suffer. And I'm like, well, why? She's like, this is what they get. They deserve it. She's adamant about this. The angry woman I met outside is furious with the living here. She wants them to experience the same pain she feels all the time. I mean, she's definitely about wanting someone to suffer. 
but they better not think that she's kidding because she's not. So, Christy, I was talking to John, mm -hmm. and uh, he said you also give tours here yourself. Yes, I do. Okay, and you've had experiences. Yeah, I've, I've had many. Are you okay? Because you seem a little on edge. I, I, I don't like being upstairs. I've had many experiences up here, okay. and it's, it makes me very uncomfortable. Can you tell me about them? Yes, I was doing a tour, and um, I heard footsteps coming up the stairs behind me. There was nobody else downstairs. Everybody was upstairs. Okay, so you heard footsteps coming up. I heard footsteps coming up. I ran through that bedroom screaming into here, and um, this one guy followed me in, and he said, I heard those footsteps too. He didn't know why I took off running. Anything else? Well, one time I got my hair ruffled. Okay. And another time I was touched. Was it anything inappropriate? Yeah. It was? Mm-hmm. Christy, with all you have experienced in the house, do you think whatever's here is dangerous? Yeah, I think so. So why don't we go, because... Okay. Thanks for even doing this. So there's a male in there who's like, come on in here, you Come on in. I don't feel good. So much uh, commotion and movement and fear and panic and pain. And there's so, there's a lot of people in the house. When all this is happening, there's so many people in the house. All of these people are, are trapped here. Especially these, these three kids. I know most of the basic facts about the Velisca Axe murders, but in order to help my clients, I need to speak with the foremost expert on the case. I need him to tell me what happened the night that two adults and six children were murdered on the property I'm investigating. It remains one of the more spectacular cases in Iowa history. There were eight people killed. Okay. You had Joe and Sarah Moore had their four children. Here's two of the kids. And then there were two girls visiting that night. Okay. And they were the Stillinger girls, Ina and Lena. Can you just take me back to what happened leading up to the murders? Sunday night, the 9th of June. And they all went to church together. Okay. They were having a special service, which was called the Children's Day service. They had a guest that night, a minister. Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly, never been in Villisca before. And he was going to later be accused of the murder and tried for it, but acquitted. And then the eight of them were going home. And there's a rumor, at least, that one of the children thought they saw somebody in the bushes. I'm seeing this man standing in the trees watching. He was angry and jealous. And I hear somebody say that he was very religious. And then the next morning, the next house west from theirs, 30 feet away, uh, a woman named Peckham noticed that there was no activity around the Moore house. That's the house where my clients live in now. Yep. Peckham shouted, knocked on the door, got no response. She called Joe's brother. He and Mrs. Peckham walked through the front parlor to a back bedroom. Lying in the bed were two figures. Okay. 
On the bedstead behind them, there, were, there was blood. And they called for the town marshal. So he looks around the room, and the killer has taken a, a woman's black skirt out of a dresser and draped it over the mirror. The axe is leaning against the south wall, and it's got blood and hair on it. They had all been killed with the back of the axe. Mrs. Moore, she was the only one struck with the blade of the axe. Interesting. And they were so disfigured, they were mutilated beyond recognition. And their faces had been covered with a piece of clothing, and then the covers had been pulled over. And leaning beside the axe is a four-pound piece of slab bacon. That's odd. Now, was there any theory about the bacon? There was one theory that the killer uh, rolled it into a tube and used it as a masturbatory aid. Wow. Serial killer pops in my head. Mm-hmm. I just hear crying, a lot of crying. And I do see somebody being dragged across the floor. And I hear a male voice saying, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. This kid knew this guy. She knows this person very well, very well. Okay. And there was struggling. What is going on here? There's like physical stuff happening. There's men saying, make sure that they're dead. Make sure. Um, There's the woman again. She says, how can you let them do this? How can you let them do this? Aren't they your friends? Like she's hysterically crying. I need to find out what kind of evidence the cops collected when they got to the scene. So I'm heading to the state capitol to meet with the county sheriff. And he said he could tell me exactly what they found and why it led them to narrow down their suspect list to four men. Hey, Joe. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Thanks for meeting me. I appreciate it. Now, I wanted to talk to another cop about this. I mean, can you take me through uh, the crime scene itself? Basically, the crime scene was quickly deteriorated by a whole barrage of people going through there. It was tainted. So you had civilians walking through the crime scene? That's right. Wow, okay. I know this guy, Kelly, was arrested and charged. Reverend George Kelly. He was one of the four suspects. The first suspect would have been F.F. Jones. Mr. Moore had worked for him for nine years. They got into a disagreement over wages. Mr. Moore went on his own. And when he left, he took one of Mr. Jones's biggest customers. Also, there was the rumor that Mr. Moore was having a affair with his daughter-in-law. F.F.'s daughter-in-law. That's right. It doesn't sound like it was enough for him to kill six kids. Well, that's where suspect number two comes in. William Blackie Mansfield. It is rumored Mr. Jones had hired Mr. Mansfield to do his dirty work. Did he, they ever bring him in, charge him or anything? He had an alibi. He was actually in Chicago, Illinois, working at the time. Henry Lee Moore. Well, he looks the part, that's for sure. Yes, he does. He wound up, two years later, murdering his own mother and grandmother in Columbia, Missouri. And how did he do that? with an axe, bludgeoned them to death. Okay, but he's arrested and charged, I guess? He had an alibi. The only one that was ever arrested and charged was Reverend George Kelly. So what wound up leading the guys to arrest him? Someone 
said that they overheard him talking about the murders when he was leaving that morning. He caught the 5.30 train out of Liska, and they didn't discover the murders till around 7 a.m. Well, it was several years later that they arrested him. He's the one that was charged. But acquitted twice. Acquitted twice. And so the case is still open today. There was a deal, and it went wrong. There are four men involved. I did hear, um, like, conspiracy like a cover-up. These men had marks on them, scratches, and I just hear men talking to each other about making sure that it's done. Not everyone was supposed to die. Now that I know that Reverend Kelly went on trial for the Velisca Axe murders, I'm meeting a crime historian who's going to explain to me why there was no justice for the victims of this brutal crime. This is the room where Reverend Kelly stood trial twice for the Velisca uh, Axe murders. Okay, so what happened with the first trial? First trial ended in a hung jury. So what went wrong? The state had a pretty strong case. There was, of course, a, a, a confession by Kelly. This is it? Yes. What was he saying? He heard the voice of God and uh, telling him to slay utterly, and, and it went on in this vein. Wow. What other evidence did they have against him? They had what was called the bloody shirt. A couple of days after the murders, he took uh, one of these white shirts to a laundry in Council Bluffs. We have a confession. We have two credible witnesses who say he talked about the murders before the bodies were even found on the train. Got a bloody T-shirt. To me, it sounds like a pretty decent case. So what went wrong? Kelly was a pathetic figure. He was a very small fellow, and he was a minister. This is a Bible Belt, after all, and, and uh, ministers don't go around killing kids with an ax. So now, what went wrong on the second trial? The second trial was just essentially a rerun that was done rather half-heartedly. The prosecution, in fact, did not even use the confession in the second trial. One of these men was really cool with doing this, torturing. He's a little guy, probably my height, but really thin, pale. Uh, his face was weird. A little crazy dude. During my walk, I saw a group of men conspiring to commit murder. I'm having a sketch artist draw one of the killers. He had a very oval kind of shape to his head. He was very thin. His hair definitely was dark and greasy. Next, I had him sketch the angry woman screaming at a living man in the other house. And there's a, a bed, and there was a, a person sleeping, and this lady was at the end of the bed. And her face is rage. Is this what you saw? Yes. Now that Amy and I have completed our investigations, we're ready to reveal our findings to each other and our clients for the first time. Well, Amy, this is an unusual case for both of us because we both had a little bit of knowledge of the tragedy that happened in this house. Now, what you don't know is that we were actually called in by John. Now, John's a tour guide here. He actually lives in that house. 
He thinks something may have followed him home, and it's terrorizing his family. Now, Christy here works as a tour guide as well, and she's terrified in that house. She doesn't want to leave, but she's afraid to come into this house and work. Now, I'm curious, Amy, coming into this case, how much did you know about what took place here? I knew uh, that there was a mass murder that had been committed here of a family. Two children were visiting, that it occurred at night, that it was done with an ax, and that's about it. Okay. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Amy, and she can tell us about her walk. So this walk for me was absolutely overwhelming. Like, I could not believe that pretty much everybody's still here. And when I showed up on the location, I felt a lot of pain. Like, having a hard time breathing and severe back pain. John, you had mentioned to me about headaches and the pain you go through. Uh, being in the house, certain places, certain times, extreme nausea, neck pain, back pain, come out of the house completely fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have troubles breathing sometimes. It feels like someone's standing on your chest. One of the strongest entities I met was this woman. She's pretty short, pale, and she was very uh, spiteful, angry, and she made me feel uh, the initial pain. The other thing is she would go back and forth about blame. She feels responsible because she either let someone in or let them stay. But I hear from someone else that it's actually her husband's fault. Now, was she one of the murder victims? Yes. She was? Yes. Okay. I mean, there's only one woman that was murdered in this house. This is Sarah Moore. Does that look like who you might have yes. seen? Yes. Oh, yes. She lived here with her husband and four kids. It was Herman, who was 11. It was Catherine, who was 10. And then they had two other kids, Boyd and Paul, seven and five. Now, you mentioned the woman you saw was angry. Yes. It's interesting because Sarah Moore was the only one that was hit with the sharp end of the ax. The rest of them were hit with the back end of the ax. Really? So, John, how do you feel knowing that one of the murder victims is actually here in the house and she's pissed? Uh, definitely sad. You know, nobody wants anybody stuck. What else? In the downstairs bedroom, there's two girls, but there was one girl specifically who enjoys interacting with the living. She tries to get attention. She tries to talk to people, and she likes to growl. The growling that I've heard is in that exact bedroom. It was a growl, gasp, moan kind of combined all together. You know that there was the two visiting Stillinger kids? Yes. All right, those were the two girls that were murdered in the downstairs bedroom. This is Lena, who was 11. And this is Ina. She was eight years old. Which one do you think might be the one interacting? I think it's her. Lena. Yeah. She's the most active one and wants feedback and reactions. She wants attention. So as far as what happened, it was really hard to piece together what I think are the facts. There was a lot of chaos going on. Like, I did hear a man saying that it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. I heard someone else say there's no place to run. 
And then I saw her getting dragged across the room by her leg. And she had this confused look on her face because she knew this man. And then I heard a male say, make sure they're all dead. When I went upstairs, I saw the woman, Sarah. She was huddled in the corner holding a small child. And she was screaming, why aren't you doing anything? How can you let them do this? You know, aren't they your friends? And the killer was talking about how something went wrong. It wasn't supposed to happen like this. His meaning was that not everybody in the house was supposed to die. But something went wrong, a deal went wrong, and this was focused on revenge. And I believe there were four men involved. She amazes me one case after the next. I can tell you I'm always blown away by her, but I got to respectfully disagree with her. I don't see it happening that way. Uh, there were four suspects, though. Interesting. First one was a guy that was Moore's boss, this guy F.F. Jones. When Moore left the business, he actually took the biggest account that they had and took it with him. Yeah, uh, I think that's it. Also, there was a rumor that J.B. Moore was having an affair with his daughter-in-law. Oh, that's why. But you don't kill six children over an affair. The second major suspect was a guy named Blackie Mansfield. It was said that F.F. Jones hired him to kill the family, but he had an alibi and he couldn't have been in Villisca at the time. So he was dismissed. Then you got Henry Lee Moore, no relation to the family. He was a drifter, but nobody could place him in Villisca the night of the homicide. Which brings us to Reverend George Kelly. This guy was in town the night of the homicides. He attended the church that the entire Moore family was at that night. He's put on trial twice. First trial was a hung jury. Second time, he was acquitted. Now, one of the things they had on him, the next morning, he gets on a train at 5.30 in the morning, and he discusses the murder that took place at this house. The bodies weren't discovered until 7 o'clock in the morning. So how would he know about that? Second thing is, a few days later, he drops off a bloody T-shirt to a dry cleaner. And he wrote out a confession. Puts himself here, says he's killed the malls. Said God made him do it. Well, one of the men who was active in the murders I met in the barn. He was short, very thin and pale. He really enjoyed, like, torturing them. I got a really quick look at him, but I did a sketch anyways. Wow. Take a look at that. My own. Uh, definitely resembles Reverend Kelly. Oh, yeah. Looks like the same man. Amy, what do you think? Is this Kelly? Yes. Okay. But he's not the only one. He's just one of them. I agree with her. Okay. How did one person control eight people and nobody got out? Mm-hmm. Anything's possible. I'd, I'd never throw anything off the table. My experience working homicide tells me serial killers almost always act alone. But I've worked with Amy long enough to know that she sees things no one else has. And if she thinks more than one man committed those murders, I can't find any evidence to prove or disprove her theory. I am glad that we both agree that this scumbag was involved in the homicide. Without a doubt, yeah. 
Well, we didn't just come here to investigate what might have happened here, but also he's having issues in his house. Which you also walked, right? Yes. Okay. When I was over there, I saw that most of the family go hang out in there. It was nice downstairs. Then I'm like walking up the stairs and almost when you hit the floor, it was just complete anger with her. If I were you, I would be very careful in this house. The whole downstairs has always seemed very peaceful and welcoming, but the upstairs has always been full of footsteps and doors opening and closing and noises and... Well, it was so bad, he moved his family from upstairs to downstairs. When I saw her upstairs, she's like in a blind rage. She makes it a point to haunt the living people. She said that the living people up there deserve it. I got that she does direct her anger towards a male. And it didn't make sense because she blames him for what happened. Well, John admitted to me he was a, pretty much obsessed about this case. For me, I felt a genuine love for this family. And I thought, if I find out who did this, then maybe they can be at peace and be happy. I felt like I was called to do that. Like, I had to figure out in my head who did it for the family. So I did a sketch of a situation that I saw at the other house, and it was of Sarah going crazy and yelling. Looks like she's wigging out. It's not a good feeling to do something you love and trying to do it in a, a good way and have that person angry. Well, this was a pretty intense case for both Amy and I. And you've got to be relieved that you finally know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But the big question is, can you guys live and work here safely? Uh, for that, I'm going to turn it over to Amy and see if she can come up with an answer. What happened here is absolutely horrendous. Mm -hmm. These people from the day that this happened have never had any kind of peace. Not only are they reliving what happened to them constantly, they're also seeing other people coming and going, and it's made to be a sideshow. And, and it needs to stop. Because if this continues to stay a tourist attraction, I, I don't think they're gonna find any peace. I did speak with the owner, Martha, and I can tell you after speaking with her that she is not gonna change the way things are done here. So John, did you ever consider talking to the owner and asking to change, or do you think it'd be a waste of time? We, we don't want it to be disrespectful. I know Martha's intentions are Right on, she doesn't want it to be disrespectful. And the way I give my tours, I, I need to just delve on the history. You know, we, we want to honor the family and we want to do good. She had a message to get through to you on how to change things and you've gotten that. And that is what's going to give this family peace. So you were chosen. How's that make you feel? Really shocked. There's a reason I ended up here, 
and I never understood why. Now, I know, John, that you're not in a position to make decisions here on changing things, but are you going to do what you can? Absolutely. We all want the best for them here. It'd be nice to enter the house and not be nervous and scared. I wish the tours could stop completely, but I'm encouraged that John and Christy promised to limit the tours to the history of the house. It seems to be a story that the dead in this place want told, and it should help bring them peace, at least for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.